Hey guys, welcome to Storehouse Media. We're so excited to have you joining us this week. Our heartbeat is biblical doctrine, so we are here as a resource to provide the gospel and biblical teaching and how those two things are inseparable. Join us every week as we tackle different topics regarding faith, life, and truth, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Storehouse Media, uh, me and Gama in here and Israel on the turntables, as always, turning tables. Uh, we're super pumped, and we're excited to be back. Uh, a little drainagey going on. What, I don't even think that's a word, but yeah. we'll run with it. Uh, yeah, we had a... If you don't know, we live in Houston, Texas, where we just went from literally 87 degrees to 31 degrees within a couple hours. Yeah, uh, And so along with that comes everything else. Um, but that's our tangent for today, uh, because we have a great topic today and we're really excited about, we did mention it last week. Uh, how do I know that I'm saved? Right. Um, very, very important topic. And just to give you all a little bit more of a, I guess like an educational terminology for it, it would ultimately be what we call the assurance of salvation. Yeah. Um, how do I know that I'm saved is, is ultimately how can I have the assurance of salvation? Yeah. Um, and just as we kind of open that up, man, I want to throw out there, the Bible is very concerned for you having the assurance of salvation, right? Yeah. Uh, that's one thing, like if you think about um, uh, like First John, for example, mm-hmm. you know, John writes in order that we might know that we're saved. Paul uh, encourages the Corinthians and Second Corinthians to examine themselves to know whether they're in the faith. Second Peter chapter 1 Peter says that uh, he wants to he wants us to make our calling and election sure, and so the assurance of salvation is a very biblical doctrine, right? And yeah. honestly, man, it's a doctrine that gives peace of mind and hope uh, once we realize we have it. Yeah. You know? Um. And with that being said, I also want to preface with this: by the end of this podcast it's not going to be one of those things where it's like we gave you an abc equation and now you go oh my gosh you know now i know like maybe but really what we want to do is give you a few biblical factors as to what salvation looks like and how we know how we can know that we're saved yeah um but scripture is also very clear that this is something we have to seek out you know what i mean If, if you don't know that you're saved yet then you really need to seek that kind of thing out uh, and know that God's promise is those who seek will find, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, a lot of people live most of their lives not knowing, am I saved? Am I yeah. not saved? And, or just have a misunderstanding of how someone is even saved. Right. You know what I mean? And so we want, by the end of this podcast, for you to be pretty sure whether or not you are, but in the most humbling way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with that being said... Uh, when we talk about salvation, essentially what we're talking about is having received the message of the gospel, the message of Christ, and having placed our faith in it, being born again. Yeah. Uh, and so with that, I want to read a parable really quickly in Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus kind of explains uh, what the spreading of the kingdom of heaven is like and with those who receive it, right? And so Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 3 through 9, Jesus says, Uh, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they but since they didn't have any depth of soil, but when the sun rose, 
they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell among good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now that parable, I mean, it should cause some self-examination, right? Like I would think so. Yeah. Uh, Because essentially what Jesus is saying is you've got four different types of hearts uh, that are going to hear this message, right? And let me just give you all a heads up now. This is probably going to be a long one. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's a big topic and I think it's worthy of yeah. it. Um, but Jesus is saying you've got four different uh, hearts, four different people that are that are hearing the message. And really only one out of those four actually receives it in faith. Uh, the first one is he gives an explanation. And if you wanted to read down, which I'm not going to read all of it because it's a lot. But if you, if you go just past that, um, Jesus actually explains that parable starting in verse 18. Uh, and, and the sower is, is the person who's giving the message and the first soil that's along the path, well, the, the, the soil is trampled down. It's been stepped on a lot. Yeah. So the ground is very hard. So the seed can't penetrate. Right. And so what happens? The birds come and eat it. Well, in the same way, our hearts at times can be so calloused and hard that when we hear the message, we can't believe it. And so Satan, the bird represents the devil who yeah. comes and takes up that seed. Right, and so then the second soil, uh, the rocky soil, it's very shallow. And I don't know about you, Gama. This is what I tend to uh, experience the most in ministry. Oh, is yeah. this second soil? Oh yeah, and explain what it, what it is because I think a lot of people see this happen in ministry. Yeah, yeah. and and essentially you hear the message uh, and you receive it with joy. Yep. Right, and and you're happy and you're gung ho and you you love the Lord and you love God, but then what Jesus says is tribulations and trials and troubles and temptations come along. And because you never had any depth of, of soil, so to speak, yeah. uh, you received it, but it could never really take root. Yeah. And so when those trials and tribulations came, which the sun represents, uh, it scorches it and it, it withers, the plant yeah. withers. And so your faith withers, yeah. right? And, and so I don't know however many people listening have been to, to these high emotional experiences, uh, conferences, camps, you know, whatever, and you had this very emotional moment that I'm not going to say isn't, isn't a real moment yeah. uh, where you're having a real experience, but the problem is you received it and you didn't do any kind of follow-up. You didn't continue to seek. You didn't continue to grow. And so when temptations and trials came, you fell away, Yeah, you know? Uh, because your faith was never rooted. Yep. I see that happen a lot in ministry. I see that happen a lot with ministries, you know what I mean? With people in ministry and those that try to start up in ministry. I've seen Bible studies try to start up, and man, is it going crazy, and it just quickly dies off. I've yeah. seen people uh, join, whether that was teaching ministry, worship ministry, anything like that. They're passionate about it. I even remember this one experience. This was actually not even long ago. This was um, last year. Where I had seen someone just go and do a complete 180 turn like of their life. I was like, whoa. And they were just so passionate, so joyful. And I was just like, that's a little odd. It's a little weird. It's a little strange. But I, in my heart, I was like, I'm no one to judge. Right. I said, Paul changed immediately. Yeah. You know what I mean? He went from being a Christian killer to a Christian maker. You know right. what I mean? So I was like, it's not my place to judge. But after a couple months, fell away from the faith. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Because they were passionate about it. And just like you said, it's not to say that they didn't actually receive the message because they did receive the message. That's why they took it so joyfully. 
But the thing is, just like most things in this world, many things in this secular world where you try to be and act like something that isn't just there yet. Right. For example, people that try to hit in the gym for the New Year's resolution, they receive it with joy. But because they're not really they're, – they're going more for the exterior appearance rather than – Building those deep roots yeah. and the self discipline, yes. and and the uh, rather than just going off of motivation, yeah. same thing in the faith. People try to just appear to be like, "Hey, I'm a good Christian," rather than just rooting themselves in what is the Word of God and in prayer and stuff like that. Yeah. And if you worry more about that, rooting yourself, then you're just gonna grow automatically. Right. Absolutely. And so that's a big one, man. And I, I wanted I wanted that one to be emphasized a lot because I, yeah. I really believe that a lot of the people that that listen to this yeah. are probably more or less struggling with that experience, yeah. right? Uh, the third soil, the seed falls among the thorns, right? And it, it what's interesting is it says that it grows up, but the thorns choke it out, and so it can never produce fruit. Uh, and so J- Jesus correlates that. The thorns to to be um, riches, you know, your wealth, health, yeah. uh, but also he says the the anxieties are the worries of life, yeah. right? Which means anxiety, anxiety and stress can actually be worry can actually be something that chokes out the seed of the kingdom, the seed of faith that's been planted. And what's worse about it is it seems like these are people who have the appearance of going on as Christians, mm. but they bear no fruit. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, they're just, they're just the walking dead, you know, like uh, uh revelation three, one, you have a reputation for being alive. Exactly. You, it seems like you are, but really yeah. you're dead inside. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to emphasize that happens a lot too. Yeah. Uh, Just like Daniel mentioned before we read this, this happens actively Mm -hmm. and it's actually happening in church and in ministry. Um, And so I think that, well, I'll say, I'll say what I'm about to say. I'll say it after you read about the fourth one. Well, I was going to, I was actually going to add on to that. Honestly, so I was just going to say, um, for some of us, man, it's when you came to faith, you had a certain expectation of something God was going to fulfill, right? Like, uh, I know for me, early in, I converted it at uh, almost 24 years old. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it was like, well, I want a wife. Yeah. Right. You know, and I thought, man, now that I'm a believer, God's about to hook me up. I'm going to have a freaking dope job and I'm going to have uh, a wife and we're going to get married and be happily ever after. Yeah. And now at 36, you know, I'm still, I'm still single. Yeah. Right. And I'm not stressing about it anymore because I've, I've discovered that he's better than that. Yeah. But how many times is it that people allow that worry, you know, when they move throughout their Christian life, constantly anxious about that one thing and their focus is never actually enjoying the Lord and growing with him and knowing him, yeah. but serving him in hopes that he'll deliver this one thing, right? Yeah. Which is really just idolatry yeah, exactly. in the long run. And I think that this type of person that um, Jesus is mentioning in the parable of someone being choked out and somebody um, through the troubles and the suffering, the tribulations of the world is kind of the same person he's com- uh, comparing that uh, other parable to whenever he says those that di- don't count the cost of a house. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? So people get into the faith not knowing what it's going to cost yeah you know what i mean they go in just like you were saying you, you came in excuse me thinking that there's going to be a wife there's going to be a house mm-hmm. there's going to be a car without really expecting the cost and i'd say not a lot of people no really expect the cost well, it's like, never I didn't, talked about anymore it's never really talked <laughs> yeah. about i mean me coming into like i mean i grew up in church right but when i 
really placed my faith in Christ and I allowed him to change my life, I never expected to lose the friends that I had. Right. I didn't expect to lose the pleasures and the happiness and the joy that I once found to just be gone and seek it somewhere else, which is in the Word of God, which I don't regret. Yeah. But it cost me that. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think it, it's compared to the people that just don't calculate that cost. Um, they go on acting uh, as Christians, you know, I dare say acting yeah, because yeah. they're not really Christian. They're going on as Christians, and when things come, they're like, man, I didn't plan for this. The worries, the tribulations mm-hmm. get in. And when you embrace that there's a cost, and when you embrace that there's suffering in Christianity, when it comes your way, you're willing to accept it. Because yeah. like I said, I didn't come into my faith expecting it to cost me, but when I found out it wasn't going to cost me, I was willing to pay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that was even like, you know, on my end, and I actually just met with a friend uh, today and mm-hmm. him and I were talking and I was explaining to him, I said, man, when I, I remember when I was early born again and, and learning about the sovereignty of God and, and all those things. And I was so young and ambitious and like, ah, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to be this yeah. you know conference speaker and all this stuff, which praise God, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Christian celebrityism is a deadly game. Yes. Um, but at the time, you know, I just hid under that and, and wanted it so bad. Um, but Man, I was just explaining to him. I was like, what's bizarre is like how I remember having so many stressors and worries as those things weren't fulfilling as I grow older in my faith until finally coming to the realization, man, God's wisdom is perfect. He is good. Yeah. And he is in control. And so I need to learn to be content with where he has me. Exactly. Right. Instead of, instead of fighting something I can't control because that's again going off the parable man what a solid way to choke out that seed of faith oh yeah and be walking as a dead man among the church and how much worse for someone who works in ministry oh yeah yeah and somebody who has the mentality that you have for example you just mentioned like you're content with wherever God has you yeah someone with that mindset is well rooted. Yeah. Is well they're not trying to appear to be anything. They're genuinely trying to be rooted in the teaching and in the love of Christ. And when you do that, you automatically be, begin to grow. And you know, we don't do it to appear as Christians, but that's the result of it. You begin to appear as a Christian rather than trying to appear as a Christian right. the wrong way right. and then not going through with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you also just come to the conclusion that women are just trouble, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> you gotta, gotta get away from that. All JK, the girls listening JK, right ladies, now. y'all are good. <laughs> y'all are good, some of y'all. Uh, so the final soil, um, final soil uh, is the good soil, right? And it produces uh, some 100-fold, some 60, some 30 of fruit, meaning some more than others. And that's why the comparison game is not a safe game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't look at other Christians and be like, well, they're doing all this and I'm not doing this. I must not be saved, yeah. right? Um, that is up to that is up to the measure of grace which he gives to us. And yeah. so that's not for us to decide. Um, but so that's kind of the parable. And so the question then is like, where do I fit in? Yeah. Right? How do I know that I'm that final soil that's yeah. bearing some fruit for yeah. Christ? Uh, and so in order to to identify this, and this isn't going to be an exhaustive uh, explanation, mm-hmm. but I want to give two main things, two main things that we want to look at. Uh, one is salvation's foundation, right? Like there has to be some firm objective reality that we can stand on to know yeah. that we are that we are saved. Uh, but then secondly, salvation's fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, what does it produce in our lives? What does it look like? What's the experience that I should be having yeah. as a believer if I really am that? 
Uh, and so, first off, if we started with Salvation's foundation, uh, we move to the ever-famous Romans 3, 21 through 26, where ultimately Paul's argument uh, in that passage is going to be justification by faith alone. Yeah. Uh, and so let's do this. Gamma, are you there? I am there. Will you actually start in verse 19 yeah. and then read through, let's just say, uh, read through the first part of 25. Okay. So Romans 3, 19 to the first part of 25. So it says, Obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. 21 says, But now God has shown us a, a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. Up to there, Yeah, right. that's perfect. So now here's, here's what I think is important to note. Uh, Paul's talking about justification, which if you don't know what that means, it means right standing or to yeah. be made right, mm -hmm. right? And so what Paul's concerned with is that we want to know whether we're in right standing with God, right? Yeah. I remember ministering to a young guy a few months ago, and that was his question. How can I know that I'm right with God? Yeah. Right? And I think, really, that's the what makes death so scary and yeah. and, and everything else. The, the heaviest burden on our heart is how do I know that I'm right with the judge of heaven and earth? Yeah. Uh, and Paul's going to say in, in, you know, in 19 and 20, not by the law. Right? Yeah, definitely. No. Man, the law is just going to show you you're not. Yeah. It's, you know, it's going to show you the problem. Yeah. Um, so then he's going to move forward. Well, then what's the solution, right? If it's not the law, it's got to be something. Yeah. And so what he says is that if we want to be right with God, it can only come by faith in Jesus Christ. And you have to understand, uh, he says that the righteousness of God, uh, we, that, that we receive the righteousness of God by faith. And what he's, what he means by that is not that by faith, we earn some righteousness. Uh, it doesn't mean that by faith, God gives us the righteousness that is God, but that there is what Luther discovered to be this alien righteousness, right? Mm -hmm. uh, something that isn't ours. It, it doesn't belong to this world yeah. that God gifts to us yeah. by believing. That's Romans 5, 17, that we receive the gift, the free gift of righteousness yeah. by faith. Um, and I think that's the, you know, the essential point. Number one, how do I know that I'm right with God? Do you believe what Paul wrote there about Jesus Christ, that he was the sacrifice to pay the debt for your sins so that you could be right with God? Yeah, right? Exactly. Um, and so that, I would say that's the first foundational point. And here's, here's the dilemma that I tend, I don't know about you, this is what I tend to run into a lot of times, mm -hmm. uh, is people, they're almost not happy with that answer. Yeah. You know, they want something more. And I think... I think that's kind of a twofold issue. One, it's kind of pride, right? Because yeah. it's like, okay, well, I'd rather something a little more difficult yeah. to do. Uh, but then secondly, I think there's just, I don't know. I guess this kind of goes into the first point, really. But th there's something in humanity that says it can't be that easy. Yeah. You know? And I think that when you have that mentality, like, oh, there's, are you sure it's just that? 
Right. Like, you know, are you sure? Like, I don't got to do anything else. When you have that type of mentality, you aren't fully appreciating what this means, yeah. what placing your faith in Jesus Christ means. Uh, when you fully accept this, it's you, you're understanding that I can't do anything more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, a guy, his name is Kent Hovid. I think he, I think a lot of people know him. He's a uh, apologist as well. He put it this way: is like when you when you try your best, your very best works. We talked about last last podcast are compared to filthy rags. Yeah. Right. What righteousness righteousness means for a believer is to be before God, presenting your best works. God looking at them and saying, "Filthy rags." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And God taking off His robe of righteousness and placing it on you, not for anything that you did, but for placing faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. When you understand and fully appreciate that, you don't really want to put it back in your hands. Yeah. You want to leave it in Jesus' hands because He already took care of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And you know, there's an old hymn that was then later remixed by Trip Lee and made into a song. Uh, and it's nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Wow. Right? And I think that's yeah. the... That's the point. And if any of you are looking for an image of this, like a biblical image, uh, Old Testament book, Zechariah chapter 3, you actually get a, a, a really strange but vivid play-by-play mm-hmm. of what this looks like, This what we call imputation, where we give our sinfulness to Christ ultimately, and he gives us his righteousness. Um but that is it. Listen, and I know that is not romantic, but the reality <laughs> the reality is is that the the foundation of your assurance has to be in faith in Jesus Christ, and it cannot be anything extra. It cannot because, like Gamma, like what you said, if the law is only condemning us, yeah. then we have no other option. Yeah, right. It, the work is out of our hands entirely. Yeah, either we have a hero, a savior, come and redeem us from yeah. the wrath of God, or we suffer it. Yep. There's and no in between. Us as humans just have a an amazing sort of nature of not being happy with the way God does things. Right. I mean, even the Jewish Pharisees were just not happy with Jesus yeah. being the Messiah. They yeah. expected something else. Yeah. And a lot of times we're the same way. When we see the way God's plan of salvation is, and we're like, no, nah, it's got to be something else. We're acting just like the Pharisees. We're yeah. like, no, it's got to be something else. It's got to be my way. No, it's not our way. You yeah, know, it's, absolutely. It's man. God's way. Um. And that's so Paul, you know, Paul wrote Romans. Paul also wrote the letter to the Galatian church, or what we call the book of Galatians. Yeah. And Galatians, man, is a beautiful book on grace. Uh, the first two chapters are really kind of Paul's testimony uh, because the Galatians had been told that Paul wasn't a real apostle. So Paul kind of validates his his ministry. And then starting in chapter three through six, he just makes this gigantic argument using the, the experience of the Galatians, uh, the Old Testament saints, uh, and all these various things to, to evidence that salvation comes by faith alone. That yeah. is it. And to the degree, and this is where a lot of you guys might be struggling, man. Paul's going to say in Galatians 5 verses 1 through 4, he's going to say that if you try to add anything, anything at all to the message of grace, yep. you have you have been severed from Christ you, or you have fallen from grace and you have been severed from Christ. And so you wonder where so many of our burdens and our guilty conscience comes from. It's because we're trying to we're trying to validate our relationship with God based on whether we're keeping the law good enough. Yeah. Right? We yep. we have these 
rules and these concepts and people go, oh, I just, you know, I haven't been reading my Bible lately. And I'm like, okay, God's not like that hasn't changed your relationship with God. Yeah. You're just behind on growing to know him yourself. Right. It, that it doesn't change his love for you in Christ. Yeah. It's impossible. Yep. And and I know uh, one guy. So here's a good test, actually. And I don't think we've ever talked about this on this podcast, which makes me pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> there's one guy that I listen to a lot, and I know I've mentioned him, Paul Washer. Uh, he gives this like strange validation test, right? And so Gamma, we'll we'll use you for this one. All right, go for right? it. So like it, now the problem is you're gonna know the answers already, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so let's just say that you wake up one day uh, to go to work, yeah. right? And so you woke up. Let's say two hours early. Okay. And you just felt super refreshed and good. And you're like, man, I feel fantastic. So you got up, you spent time in the scriptures meditating and praying hardcore. Then you put on some worship music, like what Israel does every morning in the shower. (laughs) And you're singing at the top of your lungs, right? And your worship is so powerful that angels come down from heaven and they're serenading you, right? It's just this majestic (laughs) moment. And so you finish up and you're going to leave. And so you're, you're going to leave your house and, and, uh, you know, uh, someone you live with, I don't know, you live with your whole family, I yes, assume. Okay, so yeah. you walk out and your mom's out there and uh, she's like, oh, hey, Gama, don't forget to you know take the trash out. And you're like, you know what, mom, I'm going to take out the trash and do the dishes before <laughs> I leave. And so you do everything <laughs> for her and then you're on your way to work and you see somebody with a blowout, right? So you pull over, you change their tire for them because they had no idea what to do uh, and there was nothing in it for you. And then you witness to them and they receive Christ, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, like best thing ever. They're born again magically. And then you, get, you go to work and the whole day at work, man, you're just spending time in prayer. And then every conversation you had with everybody is biblical and gospel centered and all your co-workers are coming to Christ and then you get off work and you go home and you just spend the rest of the day in the scriptures and in worship and in prayer and all these things and at the end of that day you would think man my relationship with God must be <laughs> on point you know what I mean like God yeah. God must think that I am amazing right now yep well then the next day hits and you wake up an hour after your alarm yeah and you're angry and you miss prayer, you miss scripture, you miss breakfast, you're running out the door, your shoes aren't tied, you're tripping all over the place, you got a stain on your shirt, uh, you didn't even brush your teeth, so it's kind of like funky in there. And then your mom is like, oh, hey, Gamma, will you take, and you just turn around and just lay loose and scream at her and then <laughs> slam the door and you kick the cat and you get in your car and you back up and hit the mailbox and you take off and you see 14 people pulled over with broke down cars and you don't help any of them. You get to work, you cuss everybody out. It's a horrible day. You're angry. You get home. You sulk in your bedroom with the office on the entire time and pass time and waste your life away. And at the end of that day, God must be just so disappointed. Yeah, he must just hate you, right? Yeah, and I I know like see you know the answer to give, but I give this analogy to to people all the time, and they're like, well, yeah, he'd be mad. I'm like, man, you think that your relationship with God is based on how good you do each day? <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly, it's completely performance driven. Yeah, right. Yeah, but in the end of both days, it does not matter. Like what George Whitfield would say, you can't add any good or any bad to the relationship because you're only entirely bad, and Christ is all of your good. Yeah. Right. See another another analogy, man. That was that was awesome, man. How I wish I could have a morning like the no, first right. one you explained. Right. Man, me too. <laughs> that would be amazing, man. My relationship with God would be on point. Mm. Ah, just kidding, just kidding. Man. <laughs> we got him. No, 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 no. But uh, another way, uh, I heard one pastor put it this way: 
and he was actually for real. Like this is where my assurance on salvation had to like start. Like I had to begin to know my assurance on salvation because I heard a pastor preach. I went to, I got invited to a, a church. What in Spanish it's called vigilias. Is there, you know what a vigilia is? Bro, come on. I know our Spanish Man. listeners know what yeah. is. So it's basically a night service. It starts anywhere from like 10 to 12 a- in Man. the morning. Okay. And it ends really like at, like at 5 or 6 in the morning. It's a very, very popular back then in the Hispanic culture. Well, I got invited to worship at one, and there was a very passionate pastor uh, speaking right after us. And so, you know, we just got done with worship. It felt amazing. And I sat down. I was listening to the pa- pastor preach, and he was he was preaching a performance-based salvation, and I felt very, very weird. First of all, I was not even studied up on the subject. I didn't even mm-hmm. know. I was just there to worship. Right. I was very young in my faith, if I'm being completely honest. And this guy said, you got to live every day doing the best that you can. You got to live every day as if it's your last. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's good advice, yeah, right? Sure. But it, it, it is good advice. Teach us to number <clears throat> our days. That's yeah, biblical. teaches us to number our days, exactly. But he said, because you don't want Christ to catch you sinning when he comes or if you leave. And I'm I'm like, I feel a little bit off about that. And he explained that if Christ returns and you're in the middle of sinning, you're going to hell. What? He said that. And I felt, I was like, there's no way that can be true. And he had the whole congregation scared. He had the worship team next to me. I was like the oldest one. So it was like my younger brothers and some younger friends. And they're over here scared, like, dang it, like, I just got to live, like, perfect. Ooh. And he was saying, like, you got to be very that's careful. That's not freedom. And, yeah, that's not freedom at all. He had preached of this so-called testimony of another couple that, in their case, I don't even know their name, so I don't even know who I'm exposing here, but supposedly they were having sex in church outside of marriage and that something happened. I don't even know if this was made up, if I'm being honest, that they ended up dying that same day. And he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm convinced they went to hell because they were sinning that day and in church. I'm like, dang, that's just so weird. And through that, glory to God that he like really placed this wisdom on me. And and this is what I tell people all the time when people tend to think that it's a performance-based salvation is if you're not saved by what you do, you cannot be condemned right. by what you right. do. Therefore, if Christ comes and I'm in the middle of lying, which I hope I'm not, right? but if I'm in the middle of lying, I'm sinning, yes, but... I was never saved by what I did. Right. Therefore, Christ's not going to send me help because I was lying. What's going to be presented at Judgment Day is going to say, "Hey, was this someone who placed their faith in you?" Right. You know, and just yeah. like, "Yeah, this is what this is one of your children that he placed his faith in me, no matter what I right. did." Obviously, you don't want to live a life of sin. Right. You know, and that's something we'll explain. Yeah. Paul said many times, "Does that mean we keep sinning?" He said, "Absolutely not." Yeah. But you have to understand, it's not based on performance like you were saying so that was a crazy experience for me that's what got me on this assurance of salvation man yeah right standing with god does not come by your ability to do anything good or bad yeah it is entirely on christ's goodness on your behalf yeah um and i will say this for any of our listeners until that sinks in until that sinks in man your hope will always be slightly shattered you know what i mean you have to build that foundation and i Um, mean if you have a performance-based salvation mentality, 
you're probably not going to even be saved to even yeah because you're not placing your faith in Christ. Right. You're placing faith in yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So then, therefore, <laughs> you will be condemned by what you do because it's you have the wrong mindset yeah. about it. You know what I mean? Well, and on, honestly, that really brings us to the next point. It brings us in perfectly because there's two tests that we we tend to find right. Mm-hmm. One of them is what I would call the test of sanctification, Mm -hmm. and this just leads to despair. In other words, am I living godly enough? If that's the test to know whether you're saved, at what point is is it good enough? Yeah. You know what I mean? You'll constantly be in despair as long as you're living a life and going, I don't know if I'm sinning less enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... You look at somebody who maybe has overcome a lot of different things, but it's only been by the grace of the Lord that brought him through. Yeah. And so you can't you can't base your your stumbles and your your sin necessarily. Now, which I'm trying to jump ahead, if you just have no concern for righteousness and you absolutely love sin, then it's highly likely you're not saved, right? That's biblical. Yeah. But if you if you to even struggle with wanting to know whether you're saved to me is God himself calling you, right? Like you don't care about that when you're dead in sin. Yeah. And so, uh, man, one thing I would say, if you are living your life based on whether you're not sinning today or, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that you're, you're, you don't have, you cannot have assurance like that. I remember when I was six years old, man, I had a little, little playhouse that my parents bought for my younger brothers and I would play in there. I started tallying every time I would sin, and I'd pray, Lord, forgive me for this one. And I'd think in the back of my head, how many sins do I have left? And it took a lot of growing in my faith to understand that that's not the way it works. Nah, the praise God, man. (laughs) Praise Praise God. God. Uh, So then the second test, though, is the the test of faith, and that leads to hope, right? The test of faith leads to hope. And so let me give an example. I'm going to give this. I, I give this to our youth ministry all the time. Uh, and I will continue to do it every single yeah, Wednesday. Go for it. Um, I want to. So, objective truth versus subjective truth. Yeah. Right. So, I'm going to use George Washington as an example because we know that he's a historical figure. Oh, right. Man, I love this. There you go. I already love it. Okay. So, George <laughs> Washington. So, objective truth. George Washington was the first president of the United States of America. Absolutely right. Don't care how you feel about it. That's true. Yeah. Right. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Fact is, he was. Subjective truth. George Washington was a great president. Yep. Okay. That's how you feel about George Washington. Yeah. Uh, but that's not objective. That's yeah. a feeling. And so, when if you want to look for the hope of salvation. You cannot look at how you feel about Christ crucified. You have to look at the the objective historical fact that Jesus Christ hung on a cross and suffered the wrath of God for your sin. That is the objective reality. It does not matter how you feel about that. Sometimes I feel great about that. And other times I feel like that couldn't have been for me. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I I think I shared this like a night one or or not night one podcast one. Uh, My head is already on Wednesday. Not obviously Uh, podcast one that, you know, one guy had said the greatest miracle of faith is to look in the mirror and believe that God loves you. You know, like the great the the i would argue that the the more common experience for a true believer yeah is despair over their sin which makes it sometimes very difficult to believe that god loves us 
But he never, never does the Bible say look inward to find out. Look outward. You want to know if God loves you? Look 2,000 years ago at Christ hanging on that cross, man. That is this. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole thing about a, a test of sanctification, you know, if you look at yourself in the mirror and you see nothing but a sinner and you're convinced that God is disappointed and mad and angry at you because of it, you haven't read the the Word of God enough. Right, right. Because the Bible says that Christ, knowing we were sinners, mm. died for Romans us. Romans 5, so 6, if, and 8. So if you look at the mirror and you see a sinner, you know what you got to tell yourself? Christ died for that person. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's interesting about that? Luther, Martin Luther struggled hardcore with that concept, especially coming out of the Roman Catholic Church, yeah. hardcore legalism, you know? Uh, he got to the point where he said when the devil would come along, you know, he had these vivid stories and experiences with the devil for some reason. <laughs> uh, but Luther said that the devil would come along and con- and tell him how ungodly he was and put all his sins before him. And what Luther would do, Luther loved satire. Yeah. Luther said, oh, well, you forgot about this sin and you forgot about this sin. And <laughs> Sounds like uh, Elijah the yeah, prophet to yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> right. So he'd lay it all out and then he'd go, you know, he silly devil, don't you know that, yes, I'm ungodly, but Christ died for the ungodly. Wow. Right? Being ungodly, being a sinner is what qualifies you for salvation. Yeah. It's what qualifies you for salvation. That actually reminds me of something that's very, very uh, modern. It's very recent. It's uh, something that's on TikTok and Instagram that whenever the devil tries to remind you of, of being a sinner and all the sins that you do, it's funny. There's a little there's a little meme, I guess you could say it is, uh, a little voice or a sound on TikTok, right, that you, you dub over. It says, oh, I'm sorry. I thought somebody that got kicked out of heaven was talking. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That reminded yeah. me of that. Yeah. yeah. That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So... Objective truth, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, hung on a cross and died under the wrath of God to pay the debt for your sin, right? Yeah. That has to be the first and foremost foundation to know whether you were saved. Do you believe that? And and the reason why Daniel's emphasizing that is because because it's an objective truth, it does not matter how you feel or what you've done, that will always remain. And something that remains remains uh something that gets me sometimes is doubt you know what i mean sometimes mm-hmm. i'm like man what if i'm like spending my whole life in this christianity like you know obviously no christian wants to think this way but you get those moments of doubt like man is god real right is did you and and i hold on to the objective truth that jesus was a physical person that came down to earth and by the account of both christian and secular authors yeah. died on that cross like you can't change that yeah. Even if you choose not to believe in God, Jesus was a person who died on that cross and yeah. suffered a, uh, a criminal's death. Yeah, and like, if that's a truth, then the question comes: Did he really resurrect? And I would just say this: If he didn't, what brought twelve coward disciples out of a house to go and preach the gospel unto death? My friend posted a story. It's a long story, uh, a long little thing. I think uh, one of the people you always mention. I think Paul Washer, I think. That's Maybe. my boy, man. It said, um, my friend Frank mentioned this, so shout out to him. But it said, either the gospel is true or 12 extremely intelligent psychopaths <laughs> were able to just, you know, saying like, right. and listing out of reasons why the gospel would be true. But if you believe it to be a lie. Right. You know, and at the very end it said, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, so true. Like you got to hold on to objective truth. Yeah. That's why Daniel brings it up. You got to hold on to objective truth. Why? Because 
in its nature, it does not change, yeah. and it will never change. Yeah. When, and you will. You will change, but it will not. And yeah. that is that is our firm foundation. Yeah. Um, so that moves us to salvation's fruit. And this is where it does become subjective because salvation is an objective reality that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the debt for our sin. Now, what does it look like when we experience that? Mm, you know, what does yeah. it look like to, to be believing Jesus? And this brings us back to Matthew 13. Listen, Jesus said one out of four of those soils actually bared fruit. Yeah. Right? And so there is obviously some some change takes place when we're believing the yeah. gospel, you know? Uh, and just so you guys know, let me, let me give a quick little... Uh, explanation what scripture tells about when we believe Jesus one we are made in right standing with God yeah uh, but two when we believe Jesus Christ we also receive the spirit of God who yeah. comes and dwells in us he abides in our hearts right and here's the reality of it if you're gonna tell me that you have the spirit of the living God the omnipotent omnipresent omniscient God living in you and it has changed nothing about you. I call I call liar. Yeah, I, or you know, I, there, there's there's no way. Yeah. Uh, so when we look at when we look at the fruit of salvation, uh, I want to first. Uh, are you at First Peter or Second Peter by chance? Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. Yeah. If you'll, so I'm going to give a little preface, and then if you'll start in verse five, uh, but Peter essentially is going to say that that. God has given us everything that we need for for life and for godliness through the knowledge of him. Uh, And that comes through the promises that he's given us, uh, that through his promises, we become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, we receive the spirit. And through the spirit, we escape the corruption of the world because of its lusts, Mm -hmm. right? And so in in verses 3 and 4, Peter's really going to explain that salvation delivers us from something. When we believe Christ and we receive the Spirit of God, it delivers us from the lusts and corruption of the world. But then he's going to go on to explain something that should be taking place. So if you'll read 5 through 11 for me. Yeah. So 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11 says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a general, no, generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient, patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that God really, that no, that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, it's clear. Listen, partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world. And then he follows it up with, now, because that's true, make every effort. Make every effort. Work hard. Mm. Work hard to supplement your faith with 
right? And so what Peter is going to say is this is not a passive game. This yeah. isn't this isn't pray a prayer and then don't worry about it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Salvation is a matter of growth, yeah. right? And as we talked about with the with the two soils that we really emphasized a lot on, right? Yeah. The soil that was uh uh the rocky ground yep. that springs up but then burns up and then the one that falls among the 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 thorns. Man, if you're not doing anything to engage and grow in your faith, no wonder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you wonder yeah. why you fell away. It's not because God quit loving you or Jesus quit loving you. It's because you never did anything to initiate affection toward him. Yeah. You fell in love with the world and out of love with him. Right? Yep, exactly. And 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 what James says is to love the world is to be at enmity with God. Yep. You made yourself enemy against him. You yep. turned your own affections against him. Yeah. And so go I you, yeah. I was going to say in the same book of James, I mean uh, James goes on to say that, yes, you are saved by faith, right? You know, it's faith, but faith without works is dead. Correct, yes. And so that I know we talked about that in a couple podcasts ago, saying that you are saved uh, by grace through faith, not by works. But those works do play a major part, not in your salvation, but in but to prove that the faith you initially placed in Christ was even genuine to begin right, with. Right. You know what I mean? So a lot of people have that misconception. And I like the words, like you're a big person on word, the words that they use, like therefore or but. Yeah. And right here in Second Peter um, 1, 5, it says, for this very reason. Yes. And in LT, it says, um, in view of all this. Yeah. So having known what we just said in verses 3 yep. and 4, now do this. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's where I don't understand how this easy believism came along other than the fact that people aren't reading their Bibles. Exactly. Right? Because they're thinking like, say the prayer, move on with life, everything's done. Peter says, because this great news is true, man, pursue it and pursue to grow in it, hunger for it, right? Man, I I can't explain enough. Like there's no, I I was actually, uh, so a couple weeks, I go to Hebrews Coffee Shop over by HEB in New Mag. Uh, I'm dropping locations here, so all our (laughs) listeners. Uh, But I do a lot of work over there, and I was over there the other day, and I wasn't working. I was just reading. Um, And I I had stepped out of the room. It was really packed, and so I kind of stepped in this room, and this couple had come in and, and started reading in there as well. And they were like, Hey, I don't, I, I don't mind noise. I don't mind groups. I don't mind any of that. Yeah. I work really well like that. They didn't like that. So they were like, do you mind if we shut the door? I'm like, totally cool. I don't mind. Yeah. So they shut the door. At one point I got up and, and had just had to stretch my legs. So I'm walking around. I come back in the guy's like, Oh, Hey, are you a pastor? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't like titles that much, but so <laughs> we get to hashing back and forth and long story short, he works at a, uh, what do you say? Wood is Woods Edge. I think it's Woods Edge. Oh yeah, that community yeah. church over there. Yeah. yeah. So we got to talk, and he said, "Yeah, man, we do evangelism at these apartment complexes down in Houston that are Muslim." Mm. And he said, "You know what?" He said, "What's crazy about it? like I want to go with him, dude." After this conversation, he said, "We go up there, and like you knock on the door, and you know, a little girl comes out, and yeah. she's got." You know, she's got the, I don't know the terminology, but she's got the parts of the Quran on her necklace and hanging from her thing because she's working on memorizing. Oh, And then the dad comes out, you know, hey, is your dad home, parents, whatever. The dad comes out and they say, hey, we'd like to talk to you about uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, And, you know, knowing that they're Muslim and the mother, you know, they, it, everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. And here's what he said. He said, they'll, they'll tell him, I mean, what better thing could I possibly do than talk about God? Wow. Like this dude is like, why would I watch TV? Why would I go like you want to come and talk to me about 
God, why would I not want to talk with you about that? Like, it, that's the the only thing worth talking about. Wow. And I'm like, dang. And they don't even know God. They know <laughs> Allah, right? Yeah. And they think it's that worthy. Imagine having known, having become partakers of the divine nature, having known the promises, the grace, the kindness, oh, the goodness, yeah. and then going, nah. nah. Get out oh of here, son. Gosh. You haven't found the treasure. <laughs> you haven't found the treasure buried in the field. Bro, you're you're still stumbling. Here, dude. Man. You know, and, and with that being said, dude, like all these false religions, man, like Muslim, for example, um, Islam, right? They're the ones that like re- pray three times a day. They stop five. whatever. I think five. five. Yeah. They stop whatever they're doing. No matter where they're at, they're pointing in a certain direction. They stop and they pray. Yeah. They're willing to do that for a lie. Yeah. We who are partakers in the truth, we who are inside of of true reconciliation between humanity, sin, and God who is holy, we know the truth of that and we do nothing. Right, man. Like that's just like why? Like why? Only because we don't see. Yeah. It's the only reason. We're blind. Peter said right here, we're short-sighted and blind. Yeah. And those who fail to develop that way are forgetting that we are even cleansed. I'm just reading right here, verse 9. Forget that they've been cleansed from their old sins. Yeah. And I know John Piper, and I don't have the phrase very well. I'll have to paraphrase it. Uh, But John Piper said something along the lines of, you're so busy eating the bread of this world that you have no appetite for the feast of the kingdom. You know, it's like... Yeah. I, how do you argue? You yeah. know, we, we're so full of watching The Office and all these TV yeah. shows and just filling our minds with that, that we're dull at this stuff. Yeah. You know, we're in the age of entertainment. Yeah. Man. So anyway, I'm, we'll go for too long on that. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to cover a couple of passages looking at the beginning of that passage from Second Peter when he talks about becoming partakers of the divine nature, right? Yeah. And I'm just going to paraphrase these because if we read the whole thing, it's going to be too confusing. Yeah. Um, but Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 33 through 34, uh, God speaking through Jeremiah about this new covenant that's going to come, right? This is in the old covenant speaking of the new covenant that's going to come. Part of what he had explained in it is that when that new covenant comes, that God isn't going to have his laws any longer written on stone because we just break them. Yeah. But instead, he's going to write his laws on our hearts and on our minds, yeah. right? And so he's going to go to the deepest part of our character, the deepest part of our being, almost like he recodes our DNA. Yeah. You know, our spiritual DNA. Wait, so you're saying being like born again? Ah, ah, there you go. <laughs> and so it's the rebirth, right? Ezekiel 36 verses. 26 and 27, same thing, right? It's like a reiteration of Jeremiah. He's going to remove our stubborn, hard hearts, and he's going to give us a new heart that's soft and 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 uh, uh, willing to obey, willing to be yeah. conformed. And then he's gonna he's gonna fill us with his spirit, right? And there's the rebirth. Yeah. He's gonna fill us with his spirit. And what's the spirit gonna do? He's gonna cause us to walk in the statutes and to carefully obey his ordinances. Yeah. He's gonna motivate us. He's gonna breathe that life into us and move us. One of my favorite verses ever, Psalm one nineteen thirty two. I will run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Yeah. Right. David doesn't say I'll run in the path of your commands because I'm strong. Yeah. I'll do it because you've set my heart free. Yeah. How? By writing the law on our hearts and on our minds, yeah. by filling us with his spirit and causing us to walk in his statutes and to carefully obey his ordinances. And then Philippians 2, 12 through 13, Paul says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who works in us to will and to work after his good pleasure. In other yeah. words, God is dwelling in us, 
working in us, motivating us to do what pleases him. So what is the fruit of salvation? It's an internal desire to live a life that pleases God Yep. for no other reason than to want to please God. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And I mean, it's so clear through the text that when a person has been born again, when their faith is in Jesus Christ, there has been an internal change to which they now have a different relationship with sin. That is a negative one. Yeah. They don't want it anymore. And they have a better relationship, a desire toward God's righteousness. Yeah. And so that's reminding me of Ephesians chapter 1. I don't know if you had this in mind, but Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. uh, Everybody knows that in him, you uh, also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Promised Holy Spirit. Promised through his prophets, like yeah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, yeah, exactly. And so, what that means, like you were mentioning, is like we're given the Holy Spirit so that we can obey. You know, um, what uh, you probably know, but uh, I'm having a brain fart right now. But it says that I think it's Romans eight or Galatians five, one of those two, where it says that those who obey God, it's only because of the Spirit, because those are that right. are outside of the Spirit right. by nature rebel against God, yeah. and so you who work for the kingdom stuff like that it's because you have the holy spirit in you and are sealed with him and what that means is the holy spirit now dwells in you abides in you like daniel was just now here mentioning which means that he's not going to leave you alone right like you're going to do you want to step outside your faith he's not going to leave you alone he's going to give you that conviction i think about it like this like for me it's going to be and i say this with as much humility as possible it's going to be pretty difficult for me to completely renounce my faith because i allow the holy spirit to just govern my mind and govern my life that i'd have to completely i'd have to completely dispose of his voice and the holy spirit to to go through with saying i renounce my faith but that won't happen because the I promise. Spirit's not happening, man. The spirit's not leaving because he's sealed and it's promised. Yeah. And if it's promised by God, it's not being broken. Yeah. That's one of God's natures. He cannot break a promise. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. So it comes down to like that assurance of the salvation. Right. Going back to the main theme that we're tackling yeah. here. Well, and that's one thing I remember being in a Bible study a long, long, long time ago with the Barrett family. Uh, yeah. And the Mr. Barrett, the husband, was leading it, and he had he had said something that was so profound for for me he said the most miserable person in the world is the christian who's walking in willful sin because the spirit of god is in them being grieved and convicting yeah i mean the conscience being weighed down so badly you know and it's not to say that a christian can't walk in willful sin what do you i mean there's no such thing as an unwillful sin there's there's i mean yeah you can have the sins where you didn't realize you sinned but you did it willingly anyway regardless of knowing whether it was sin right exactly when you sin you will you will what you're doing yep uh and so that's the but that's the beauty of it, man. It, it, it I would mu- and and I know guys that have that no man. If you deliberately sin, you've lost your salvation. That's what he, I'm like. How's that better news than the Old Testament? Then yeah. that's not better than the Old Covenant. And the whole book of Hebrews is an argument yeah. that the New Covenant is better than the Old. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, man, I don't understand how. Anyway, Bob, I'll get too crazy on that. Yeah. If you have the Spirit and He's abiding in you, the law of God is written on your heart and on your mind, and you want to obey it. You want to please God. Yeah. And when you disobey it, it breaks you. But then what's so bizarre 
is what the Spirit of God also does. Yeah. He points you to Christ who suffered for that sin, right? This goes back to last week as we talked about that lamb, right? As they would slay the lamb and you'd have to put your hand on its head to impute your sin to the innocent creature being slain. So Jesus Christ, the true lamb of God, right? The true lamb of God was slain for our sin. And so we have to give that guilt to him. Yeah. So how do we find hope in those truths? Well, number one, um, Philippians 1, 6, man. Uh, will you go ahead and go to First Thessalonians 5 for me? Yeah. Uh, Philippians 1, 6, uh, Paul says that he has confidence that the one who began the good work in the Philippians yeah. will bring it to completion. Now, what's the good work? What he said in Philippians 2, that God is working in them so that they would will and want after what pleases God. That's yeah. the good work that God began. And Paul says, I'm confident that God's going to complete it. Yeah. If he began it, he'll finish it. First uh, Thessalonians 20 or first Thessalonians five, 23 and 24. And it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. man, May you be sanctified. In other words, may you be made godly. May you be made like Christ. Mm. And may your body and soul be kept blameless. Yeah. Then what does he say? You better work hard to do it? No. He says the one who's faithful will will do it. He will bring it to pass. Yeah. Man, if he has began this work in you, believer, I don't care where your life is right now, be encouraged. Ooh, Be encouraged because that means that Christ paid the debt for your sin. And that's Hebrews ten fourteen. <laughs> yeah. That by his one sacrifice, he has forever perfected those who were being made yeah. godly. Not those who have been made godly, yeah. those who are being made godly. Them he is forever perfected. In other words, you have been justified. You're in right standing with God. Yeah. Find comfort. But here's the thing. Your hope has to first be anchored in justification by faith. Yeah. Right? Imagine if it were the other way around. Yeah. Imagine if it were, if you're doing good enough, you can have hope to stand before God. That's not what he teaches. He teaches that we should first, like, and, and if you're not first finding your comfort in justification by faith, if you're not first anchoring it in salvation's foundation, yeah. then your sanctification is going to halt because it's no longer being done by grace. It's no longer being done by the spirit. You're trying to do it by your own works and you're telling the spirit of God to step aside. And you're telling Christ to go sit on the bench because you got this under control. Yep. It has to begin with justification and faith in that. Yeah. And we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago too, like you placing your faith in Christ isn't something you did as though it were a work. But some, uh, but rather surrendering and saying, I actually cannot do enough. Mm. I actually can't work enough. Therefore, that is why I'm placing my faith in Jesus, who I believe paid it all, who I believe was blameless and perfect, yet bore my sins and my and my penalty. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what putting your faith in Him means. 
don't think of it as something that you did. Yeah. Because when you, you think of it as something that you did, oh, I place faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm good. You just made it a work. Yeah. But rather a, 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 a mentality of saying, I place my faith in Jesus Christ because I know that even if I did try my best, it'd mean nothing to yeah. God. Well, and that's another thing going off that when we make faith a work. Yeah. It's also an issue of, well, did I really? Yeah. You know what I mean? Did I put enough faith? You know, yeah. those are all yeah. questions. And the dilemma with that is you're you're trying to base your salvation on how big your faith is instead of how big your Christ is. Wow. Right? Yep. Like you should never be trying to measure your faith. You should just be trying to get a broader, bigger, more vast view of Christ on that cross, yeah. right? On who it is who suffered for your sin. And so don't don't measure it like that, man. Yeah. And you got to keep in mind also, you know, Phil- I think it's uh, not Philippians, Ephesians 2, 7 or 8. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Hardy will rebuke me for not knowing this one. <laughs> uh, but Paul says that sal- faith was a gift. Yeah. Right. It was faith wasn't even something we earned. Yeah. Faith was a gift that given to us by God. That we couldn't even come to faith without God doing some awakening work, visiting us in his grace, yeah. right? He had to intervene in order for us to even believe. Yeah. Um, and so that brings me, uh, I guess, kind of going off of that, man. Yeah. Let me, let, let's me let talk for a second to the people who you're hearing me, right? You're hearing what we're saying. Yeah. But you're going, Daniel, I've just sinned so much and so badly since then that there's no way, right? There's yeah. just no way. Yeah. This is Jesus' own words. John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Man, I remember several years ago having fallen back into some pill addiction um, and really just feeling like, man, I don't, it's over. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you know what I know biblically yeah. and claim to believe what I claim to believe? In fall in of all things, voluntarily, willfully fall back into pill addiction. Yeah. And I remember this verse being the the grace that God gave me. Because one thing I know, even in the midst of the addiction and after, I could not stop coming to him. Yeah. And he says, All those who come to me, I will never cast out. And so all I could think is man, keep coming to him, yeah. keep coming to him, keep coming to him, right? And so you got it, man, you got to hear that. And and I'm just going to be honest, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, no, oh, okay, I get it, okay, God forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself, you know? Man, let me just say this, bro, like, I don't know who you think you are to say that your judgment is better than God's like you sit on a higher (laughs) judgment throne than God, you know, like you got to set that pride down, you know, ultimately what's happened. It's not a matter of, I can't forgive myself. You've just got an idol in your life that you've disappointed. Yeah. And that's what is holding you down. Right. And God's not the main concern for you. Uh, this other thing is, and so you got to break that. Yeah. Um, but man, scripture is clear that we are forgiven completely in Christ, are you? Do you? Would you happen to be at First John, or you? Did you go to something else? I'll go to First John if you went something else. Yeah, I went to something. Yeah, else. go ahead, okay, man. Okay. Take over. Yeah, I mean, I I do also want to just extend that encouragement to you guys. Like, if you do feel like you've just gone too far, or anything, like there isn't 
a sin too terrible for God. Except, no. I mean, except for the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But if you truly blasphemed against the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't be seeking nah, you're not repentance. Caring. So you're if that is a concern of yours, you haven't blasphemed against yeah. the Holy Spirit. But there's not a sin you've done. There's not a thing too terrible that you've done that God won't forgive on that cross. And there's nothing that you've done that has taken God by surprise mm. where he said, dang, I never knew he'd get that. that coming, didn't see that right? coming. Didn't think he'd get that far. God knew exactly the place you'd be at. And he still died for you. Yeah. And he still loved you. Knowing your condition now, back then, and in the future, he decided to die on that cross for you. Now, I'm going to just mention this really, really quick, and then we'll finish with yours. But Ephesians 1, 18, and this talks about that hope that Daniel was talking about earlier. It says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope. Mm. And the word hope by definition, is something that you're waiting for, something that you don't know is for certain. Yeah. But Paul compares it to be confident hope, yeah. that although it's you don't know 100%, you can be very confident. Yeah. With the objective truth that Christ came and, and died for us, you have the confident hope. It says right here, He has given to those He called His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Absolutely. And let me, let me, for any of you still struggling, right? It, hopefully you're not by now. Hopefully we brought you into glory. Hopefully you have a smile on yeah, your face right? by now. <laughs> uh, but will you read the very, very first part of that again? Yes, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Perfect. Now, there's something you have to know about the context there. Ephesians 1, uh, starting in verse 3, and then working pretty much through about verse 14. 14, yeah. Paul is expounding on God's plan of salvation from before the foundation of the world in all the riches that we have in Jesus. Yeah. And now, right after that, Paul starts to pray that their hearts would be flooded with light, that they'd be that they would know, that they would know this. And what's peculiar is in our lazy culture, we go, Well, Paul, I do know because I just read it. And Paul says, No, you yeah. don't know. Yeah. This is a matter of revelation. And it's not given by intellect. It's given by God's grace. Ooh. And so understand something, man. If you don't if you don't yet know that, if your heart has yet to be flooded in light, let me just encourage you. Do not cease praying that God would flood your heart with that light and let you know his love, that he would shed it abroad in your heart. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't stress. There is nothing in this world or in this life that will ever, ever even compare in importance to having that light yeah. shined into your heart to know God's and love for you. flooded within yes. you means overwhelm yourself with that light. Yes. Man, nothing more important. Yeah. Uh, so lastly, uh, a, couple of, a couple of verses that I had from 1 John regarding, um, um, you know, this, this Christian life and for any who maybe feel like they've fallen in sin and, you know, whatever that might look like. Uh, first John chapter one, verses eight and nine, and then I'm going to go into chapter two, uh, verses eight and nine. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right? So number yeah. one, the second you meet a Christian who says, no, I haven't sinned in 20 years, they're lying yeah. and the truth is not in them because they don't even understand what sin is and how depraved they really are. Yeah. Uh, and that's Jeremiah seventeen nine, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then, following that, verse nine, he says, "If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." John doesn't say 
that he never gets to this point where we quit sinning. Yeah. He says, instead, we should be confessing our sin. Yeah. Right? The difference isn't you quit sinning, and that's what salvation is. Salvation is that your desire towards sin has changed. Yeah. You once loved it, and you didn't care for the righteousness of God, but now you see sin's terrible lies. You see its destructive patterns, and you've been awakened to the kingdom of God to see his righteousness, and you now desire it. Yeah. And so he goes on in... Uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, right? <laughs> like, I'm encouraging you guys. Yeah. I want you to know that Jesus did set you free from the power of sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an ad- advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation, right? The appeasement yeah. for our sins. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so... John says, man, I'm encouraging you that you would love him so much that you would never rebel against him, that your heart would be so happy in him that sin would be like vomit, you know? But if you find yourself returning to sin, also understand that Jesus Christ stands in your place as the advocate, and not only the advocate, but the one who has already suffered the debt for your sin, the penalties waived, you can still come back to God. That is beautiful. Man, I'm going to stop there because I'll get... It should It should come for your heart. Yeah. Not come for your sin. It should come for your heart. Yeah. And knowing that God has called you to live a life in which you have no sin, but with the knowledge that that will never yeah. happen, it is so heartwarming to know that in the midst of me sinning, in the midst of me making mistakes and falling short of God's glorious standard, like it says in Romans, that I have someone who pleads my case Mm. before God. And that someone isn't someone that just did enough good. This guy was perfect. It says right here, he was perfect, he was blameless, and he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not just our own, but for the whole world. Like, I try to get, uh, the Bible study that I host, I try to get them to understand what Jesus did on that cross by, by thinking, by allowing them to think of all the sin you've ever committed in your life. Think of all of it. Mm -hmm. Think of all the sin you'll commit by the end of your life. Is that a lot of sin? Now, try to imagine how many people exist on this earth right now, presently. Aren't we all close to like 8 billion people? Yeah. Now, imagine how much sin that is. Right. Okay. Imagine all the people that have ever existed from Adam until his return. Mm. Jesus had all that sin on his shoulders because he loved us that much. Because he is not only the propitiation for our sin, but, but for, the, for ours and also for the sins of the whole world. The whole world. Insane son. Like, that's crazy that's insane. to think about. Yeah. And you have to remember this. We're not just talking about some dude that came along and said, you know what? I'll take the penalty. <laughs> We're talking about the God man, <laughs> the God. Jesus Christ. Yes. Like you have no idea the worthiness and the value of the one who hung on that cross yes. on your behalf. So do not sleep on that fact, man. When we talk about the assurance of salvation, we are in locked bet because the one who hung was perfect. Yeah. He was God in the flesh, right? And that blood that was shed is of infinite yeah. value infinite value why can why is there no such thing as a sin too big because there is no sin that can trump the blood wow. of jesus christ beautiful it's impossible yep um i mean i did have one more thought and i forgot it and i'm okay I with too, that and i yeah. forgot it but i'm okay with that yeah um
Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess I guess <laughs> we can close this one out, man. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm pumped about it. I do hope. Uh, oh, guys... I do remember the thought oh, before yeah, ahead, we close out. I was just gonna remind our listeners, right, to be very very assured of their salvation, but not in a prideful way. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Not in yeah. a prideful way. Just. We didn't give anybody room to be prideful about their salvation here. Like, this was all humbling scripture. Yeah. And so if by the end of this podcast you do feel a bit pride, like, man, you know, I got this, you know, then I don't know what you were listening to. Yeah, right. You weren't, you had, you, you weren't listening closely to what we were saying. Have humility. Have the humble assurance yeah. of your salvation. Nothing yeah. can take it away because Jesus gave it to you. I mean, uh, it was reminding me of uh, us being sheep. You know, we yeah. are in the hands of, of our father, right, of our shepherd. No one can snatch us from yeah. his hand. Like, be assured of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my last thought. Yeah. Have that, have that hope fixated in his love, not yeah. your ability, not your... I, and that's... Here we go. See? Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Don't, man, this is something that I can't press enough, dude. Do not have your hope in I am worthy. Yeah. No, you're not. You never were. God loves you because he loves you. Have your hope in that because if, if, if your hope is in the fact that you think you're worthy, what happens when you do something to break that and you yeah. don't feel worthy anymore? Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Your hope is now broken, right? You were never worthy. You were never meant to be worthy. That w- Well, anyway, you were never worthy. Yeah. God never expected you to be worthy. God never had his, his chips on you thinking you might get it together. Yeah. It was always on Christ. Yep. Always. None of your sin has ever surprised him. Yes, you're a hot mess. The cross was messy for you, right? Yeah. Like so oh man, I like I feel like I could just sit here and keep reiterating it in different ways. Yeah. Because and and as much as it's like, okay, that's redundancy, we need it every day. Yeah. Because sin is constantly deceiving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, uh man, we hope that this has been um humbling, but also refreshing yeah. uh, and comforting yes, man more yes, than yes, anything yes. uh but I, honestly more than anything what i hope what we hope uh is that this is stirring up your affections to love him more yes. right to praise him more because yeah. if you you know going back to Ephesians 1 that great salvific plan of god from the beginning uh like three or four times in that passage it says to the praise of his glorious grace yeah. you know like why did he do it to the praise of his grace yeah. and so we hope that that's the same outcome here Yep. Uh, so with that, uh, Gama, you want to pray us out? Let's pray us out. Let's do it. Father, we thank you so much, first off, for the sacrifice that Christ Jesus made on that cross for us. Thank you, Lord, that salvation is not based on how much we do, how good of people we are, because we'd be on our way to hell, Lord. But we thank you that you sent someone and not just an ordinary someone, but someone who was perfect, someone who was blameless and took the penalty of our sin, who consumed your wrath, Father. We thank you for that. And with so much going on in this life, we get troubles, we get tribulations, we get doubt. Lord, there seems to be things that that kind of just make us doubt if we're saved or not. But Lord, help us to remember that at the end of the day, we are saved. And not by what we do, but by what Christ already did on that cross, Lord. I just pray for our listeners right now. Anybody, no matter what situation they're in, whether they're dealing with pride and they think they're they're saved because of what they do, Lord, that you may humble them. Or those that think they're not saved because of uh, how much they've sinned, Lord, that, that you may comfort them and um, that you may allow the Holy Spirit to convict them and know that everything is to be pointed to Christ, Lord. 
And Lord, I just ask that day by day you may help us to be in awe of you, of your word, of your Holy Spirit and what you've already done in us. And let us hold on to that confident hope, just like your word says, that confident hope that you will finish what you started in us, Lord. And I just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, until next week, we're looking forward to it. All right, peace out, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this podcast has served as a blessing to you. If you want to contact us or want more information, visit our website at storehousemedia.org or follow us on all social media platforms at Storehouse Media. Until next time, grace and peace.